Welcome back, everyone, to the Divorce Solutions Podcast. Jamie West here from Divorce.com, along with Tracy Miller from Miller Law and Mediation. She's a lawyer extraordinaire and uh, the anchor of this program. Uh, good to talk to you again. God, that sounds great. Well, How are I, you? I'm doing okay, but I'm, I'm running out of wonderful things to say about you off the top. So some of no, our intros are going <laughs> You don't mind hearing the same thing over no. and over again? Okay, good. Good. Well, today's uh, topic is, and today's question really is, how, how do how do lawyers uh, become lawyers? And, you know, this is a, a bit of a self-serving uh, podcast because I really want to know, for example, because we're talking about family law, and I know there's all kinds of different lawyers, and we'll talk a little bit about that, but why did you get into this why did you decide you wanted to be a lawyer because i've got to tell you something i don't know why in the world anybody would choose <laughs> to become a family lawyer with all of the headaches that come with that over to you oh boy well you know you certainly realize right off the hop if you're going to be a lawyer at all that it's not it's not a uh, popularity contest right i mean uh, everybody's got their opinions of what lawyers are or aren't. I ended up doing family law after I did bar ads because... Um, What's bar ads? Just a, when you do, you know, the, the Coles Notes version of how you get to be a lawyer, okay. I mean, you after you graduate high school, you go to university. Uh, most times you complete three or four years, at least it's three or four years, an undergrad degree doesn't matter what the degree's in for a lot of reasons. And then you have to apply to law school. If you get in, then you've got three years in law school. And then while you're in law school, you, you know, you touch on various types of law, family law, criminal sure. law, corporate law. You get a little bit of an idea of what everything's like. Then you come out, you do the LSAT um, no, sorry, I got that reversed. Then you then you come out and you article, which is essentially it's apprenticing. Okay. Um, right. After you do that, then you write the the bar ads, and that's just the the course. When I did it, it was six months long. Now they've changed it; it's online. But what it does is you're tested in various areas, so you know you're proficient in several areas. After you do all that, then you come out into the world and you can practice. But you know, I liked family law when I was in law school. It's as simple as that. Like a lot of people, you think you're going to do criminal, and you get in there and look at it, and you go, mm, no, I don't think so. I don't think I really want to do that. Is that what most people do when they're when they're going into this field? They think they're going to be criminal lawyers? That's the sort of the, the sexy place that they think they, they want to find themselves? I think there's a lot of people that think that. Um, I mean, like I guess, uh, you know, people come at it from different areas. It, you have people from everything that do business degrees, that do social science degrees, philosophy degrees, you name it. So you come from all different different degree programs. Um, but then you start to get an, an idea of actually what it's like when you start reading cases. And then when you article, hopefully you get some exposure to what it is in real life because when you come out and you're dealing with people in the real world, it's a little bit different than when you're in school. So, you know, you find what you're good at. And, and I think it's funny, but there's different personalities. <clears throat> Excuse me, go to lean towards different types of law, right? Oh, it makes I mean, sense. Yeah. It, I, I mean, I, I had a media career and not everybody went into television. Not everybody went into radio. Not everybody went into print. 
People went yeah. into different different things because they became they got exposed to all those different things, and then they picked a stream or picked a thing that they were very interested in and went from there. So it, that that makes perfect sense, really. Well, and for me, sitting and doing and doing a lot of corporate work or doing a lot of solicitors' work, which is reading contracts and agreements and all of that, I had no interest in that. I thought it would be deadly boring to do. And there's people that that's what they want to do. Um, and then it's the subject material that you're doing with, and then you know you look at criminal law or you look at family law and you figure out what interests you. Because I think, um, I mean, I don't know if you like what you're good at or you're good at what you like, but you know, you gravitate to specific areas. Because there's a lot of people would look at you and go, what is the matter with you that you want to do family law every day? But I think it's it's fascinating to do. And you're, you have to know a lot about various areas of law, right? Because criminal charges come up often in uh, family law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to know real estate because people are buying and selling properties. You have to know some corporate law because people have business statements and companies that you have to figure out how you're going to value them. So, I mean, it's, there's a lot of different areas. It's interesting. That's very interesting. And I, and I never looked at it uh, that way. I've looked at it much more as a, a siloed thing, but the way you describe it, you're absolutely right. If you're in family law, you're touching on all of those other uh, law uh, specialties as well. And, um, and sometimes you have to consult with uh, those experts experts as, as well right in in the course of uh, resolving some files uh, i would imagine that uh, at times you'd have to perhaps consult with uh, somebody um, who for one reason or another in your file that you've you know you just need to talk to them about this particular thing because uh, you know maybe there's something there that's a, a little bit um, you know outside your scope at that moment i'm a big believer that um you go to people that are experts in the area. So if I have a question that goes into criminal law and I don't know the answer, I would defer to a criminal lawyer because they do it every day, right? Mm. Or business valuation questions. I call a business valuator who's usually, a, they're you know qualified to value businesses, their accountants, they know what they're talking about. They can give me an answer in five minutes. They would take me an hour to try and figure out because they do it every day. So yeah, absolutely. You contact people you know, to get the right answer. I, if you need a value on a property, you contact real estate appraisers and find somebody that's knowledgeable in the area. You sort of quarterback all of this. Right. Okay. So let's, let's get back to our question, which was how do, how do lawyers become lawyers? And since, you know, we're using you as the observational guinea pig today on this one, <laughs> um, maybe I should have, I don't know. I should have used the I don't know. Animal. I like the first, yeah, I I'm not, I'm not thrilled about that, but Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me for that, but I, by my tally, we're up to about seven years of formal education um, before you're writing. What did you call them? The bar bar ads? Is that is, bar admission? Bar admission course. Yeah, that's the short form. Is the bar ads? And and if I heard you correctly, writing the bar admission, I'm going to call them tests or exams, is a six month process. Can we let's go over that? Well, it was when I did it okay. way back and, and no slams about how old I am or any of that. That's, I mean, that's 30 years <laughs> ago, right. but my son is doing it now. So I have some idea. Um, a chip off the old block, <laughs> a chip off the young block. Sorry. I yeah, screwed no up again. Kidding, eh? Forgive me. Um, yeah. It's uh, so when I looked it up, because when we were talking about this, I thought I better be current on it, but yeah, they split it into two exams um, their self-study, and it says they're approximately seven hours in length. I mean, wow. back when I did it, you would do a course for, 
so many weeks on whatever it is, real estate, write an exam, move on to the next one. And you did that for six months. So they've really, they've condensed it quite a bit, which, you know, is a good thing, I think. Within the, um, I'm going to, we're going to come back to the, uh, to the exam piece because there's, there's actually a, a, a bit of a controversy right now that's happening in the news that maybe some people have, have heard about. But um, I wanted to go back to some of the contents of the things that you learn in law school. Do they, do they teach you, like, do you have to go back and learn English and how to write letters a certain way? Because you, you lawyers have a, a quite a masterful way of, of uh, using language and, uh, and writing uh, that I've always found fascinating. Um, you're, you're all very, very adept at being careful about how you choose your words and phrases. Well, I think you have to be. And I think through the process of spending literally years when you're reading case law and um, you're reading decisions from people who really write well, I think some of it's osmosis, honestly. And then I think the other thing is when um, when you're articling, when you're working with lawyers, you realize there should be a reason when you're writing something down. There should be a point you know you it's just a smarter way to do it the woman i article or that i uh, juniored with the first agreement i was drafting and she said don't put one word in that agreement if you don't know why it's in there oh so when that's sort of the standard and i never forgot that i can still hear her in my head when i'm drafting agreements i mean that's really the kind of precision that you need and you just get used to doing it day after day i think it's uh i, I think it's a, a fascinating uh process that that you go through obviously it must be stressful as well uh, do you get treated like a plebe when you are going out as an articling <laughs> student do they because in in media they just and when i came up through media they just made me get the coffee and that was what i was sort of allowed to do do you when you're starting out as a, a lawyer and you're art, articling do they kind of tie your hands behind your back a little bit Well, you know, you kind of hope um, that when people are articling, whoever they're articling for is trying to get them some real life experience. But I can tell you when I did it, I spent an awful lot of time um, photocopying and doing delivering stuff to other offices. I mean, you do whatever you're supposed to do. So I think you come from a pinnacle and you're graduated law school and it's a big deal. And now you realize you have zero practical experience. So now you're right at the bottom of the list again in terms of you know, who you're working with. So yeah, you sort of got to pay your dues, right? Nobody's handing you some gigantic case the day you walk out of law school, because honestly, you got zero experience. Right. Without getting into obviously any details, do you remember your first client, your first case that where you were out in your own practice or the you or you were a practicing lawyer now, and this was going to be your client, your first client, you must. (laughs) Don't we always remember our first? Of everything almost? Yeah, I can remember, God, I can remember doing a small claims court trial when I, um, yeah, when I started. And probably the amount of time I put into that was a hundred times more than I should have. But, you know, and you get to you get to know as you're going along because after a few years doing it, you start to know what the rules are. You start to know on a practical basis how the court works. And, and that's why they call it practicing, right? Every time you're there you learn either something to do better or something that you shouldn't do. Because it's pretty obvious the stuff when you're in court that people shouldn't do. You can see that pretty quick. I think you just hit on something really interesting that there's that if if you are 
a, a good-minded legal practitioner is always learning. Doesn't Absolutely. matter if you got three decades; you're always learning. There, you haven't, you haven't seen and heard everything. There is, there isn't, you haven't reached the end of the road. That that you're always learning something. I imagine there are lawyers who don't subscribe to that, though. I guess there always is, right? Right, and they probably are the ones that people should avoid if they can. It's interesting that that um, that it's a continuum. Um, I like watching. Uh, I like watching lawyers that are good at it. Right. Uh, and it's just the same thing, even when you're watching judges. And, you know, occasionally when I was doing trials, they would jump in and start asking questions or they would catch something that you hadn't seen. And you're just thinking, wow, that's that must be why you're up there. Right. So, I mean, it is it is fascinating, I think, watching it. But you really do. You, that's why they call it practicing. Right. You should get better at it as you're going along. The day you think you know everything, you should probably retire. There you go. And, and we should keep that attitude about life in general. And, and even litigants themselves uh, should keep an open mind to the idea that they don't have all of the answers. They don't know everything. No. And therefore, they should be open-minded to listening and learning as well, I would think. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So um, your, your, your son, as you said, is uh, going through to become a lawyer himself. They're, we're recording this podcast in March of 2022, and right at the moment um, in Ontario, Canada, there's, um, there's a bit of a controversy, which, t- of course, ties to the modern world we live in and computer technology and the way we information gets shared. Um, it looks like they've canceled or postponed um, the bar exams in, in Ontario, while uh, the law society—is it the law society or is it? Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. who the top educational entity is for lawyers, but they've put the brakes on things while they investigate um, the the fact or the potential that exam content was leaked out to some third parties or involves third parties. That's very I, concerning. I saw that. Isn't that crazy? That's the first time I have ever seen something like that. Um, and it's so unfortunate. I, I don't know how many people it involves, but it, I can't imagine how heartbreaking it is for people that are at the end of this process, just waiting to take the last step. And then, you know, as a result of the actions of a few, a lot of people now are going to be sitting in limbo. I think that's sad. But I mean, the Law Society, I'm sure is on it. And I'm not saying it just because I'm a lawyer. I mean, we're a self-regulating body, right? So this type of stuff matters. It well, absolutely in, in, matters. Integrity and credibility is everything yeah. when it comes to the field you're in. So the, the, this, this no doubt is rocking um, your industry a little bit, I would think. Uh, and hopefully they'll get it figured out and resolved uh, fairly quickly. And Yeah, no f- doubt. I hope so. Find ways to prevent even the suggestion that anything may have happened down the road as well. I, I, just quickly before we get out of here, I want to come back to... Um, something that I forgot to ask you about when you were talking about uh, doing your undergraduate uh, work and that lawyers, you know, they, they typically do an undergraduate degree for three or four years and then go to apply to law school and, and hopefully get in a couple of things. One, is there any, is there, is it a common, is there a common undergrad degree for lawyers typically? Do they, do you guys run in a similar sort of, uh, uh, current when it comes to your undergrad degrees uh, you know are you anthropologists are you english major what are you 
went before you go to law school. No, I, I just wondered if there's it's any It's an interesting kind of, way that you put it, though. What are you? Like, well, I just wonder if there's any consensus, uh, uh, you know, or any pattern when it comes to undergraduate degrees and who then goes on to law school. In other words, uh, you know, if you got a science degree, you're typically looking to go to law school or if you, I don't know. Is there anything that you can point I to? I don't think no. so. As far as, far as I know, um, you don't have to have a specific type of degree. And, okay. you know, because everything you need to learn about law, you learn what you're in law school. I mean, if you're right, if you don't have reading and writing skills, if you're not really good at that, I think it's going to be an uphill battle. Right. But they really do. I mean, there's degrees of all different types that take it. And I think probably more so than med school, right? You need to have science courses and you sure. need to have specific courses to get into med school. Law school was never like that. So and I really... Sorry, go sorry, ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you really do have people that, you know, I knew people that had philosophy degrees, people that were in business, people that are social science, all different, all different degree programs. There's no common knowledge out there that says don't apply, say, at this law school or that law school if you've got this kind of degree, because they just don't admit people that have that type of degree. There's no, you know what I mean? There's, there becomes mm -hmm. sort of a known in the street kind of knowledge that, um, if you want to go to Windsor, or you want to go to Queens, or you want to go to Osgoode Hall in Toronto, you know, don't go knocking on the, the, those law schools' doors if you got this type of degree. There's not there, that doesn't exist, right? It's down to the person. Yeah, no, I, I think it's down to the person. I think you have to have the marks in whatever degree program you're get it you are in to get in will be the hurdle. But I don't think they restrict it in terms of which degree program you're in. Right, and our some law schools better than others i don't want to put you on the spot but you don't have <laughs> to son name names but are there <laughs> my son and i have that discussion uh, <laughs> i'll bet i'll bet i don't i don't think so um i mean i think people will have allegiance to the schools that they go to and you know when i was reading up on uh, to be current on this before we did this podcast i mean there's 18 law schools in ontario and there's a or in canada and there's a ton of them in the states so you know, there's all there's all different criterias of schools, and I think people think that one they go to is the best one. So, you know, as far as my son's concerned, U of T is the best one on the planet right now, and, and that's fine. <laughs> there you go. Uh, what a fascinating discussion, uh, Tracy. Really enjoyed it. Uh, how do people get a hold of you if they'd like to connect? It's Tracy at miller-law.ca. Right, and they can reach me, jwest, at divorcecom.ca. And don't forget, uh, we say this on every, uh, every podcast, um, when it comes to your family law matter, uh, hire and deal with your own professionals and listen to your own professionals. Uh, the opinions here shared are just that. They're just opinions to give you a little bit of information, but make sure that you're always consulting with your own professionals regarding your own situation. And don't forget to like us, follow us, subscribe to us, and share us with uh, everybody and anybody that you think can uh, benefit from the information. Tracy, enjoyed it as always. Uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Take care. Yep. Talk to you later.